All right. Well, hey, we're going to jump back into our sermon series called Saul to Paul, a good hope church vision series. And uh, last week we took a break. Uh, We had a special guest speaker for you guys on uh, the CW and YouTube. You got Dr. Alan Tennyson. Very excited to have Dr. Alan Tennyson here. Uh, You might have heard him talk about his mom. His mom was the guest speaker at our prayer and fasting retreat uh, that we just had. So super, super cool stuff. Great to have them, uh, Dr. Tennyson here and uh, his mom over in Alexandria. So cool. And definitely an important message that Dr. Tennyson brought. So thank you, Dr. Tennyson, for being here. And uh, now we're going to get back into our series called Saul to Paul, a Good Hope Vision series. And we got to know in the first two weeks, a young man, a young angry man, named Saul. He was religious, and he was uh, taking out everybody that believed in Jesus because he had a religious bigotry in his heart, and he was going after him. And then Jesus kicked down the door, man. Like, our, our Good Hope Church vision statement is reach up, rise up, reach out. And it's all about the fact that a real relationship with the living God is available to you. A real relationship with the living God is going to change you. And a real relationship with the living God is a call to action. And these are things that young Saul found out. He found out that a real relationship with the living God was available to him. Now, when I was talking to you, the ways that we can do that, get that real relationship, Jesus you know, calls us to ask, seek, and knock. So we can ask and seek and knock. We can go after a relationship with God in prayer. Also, in Revelation chapter 3, we saw how Jesus was standing at the door and knocking. And sometimes people, they're not seeking God, but beyond that, they kind of shut the door on the Lord. So if you kind of shut the door, you got to open the door and let Jesus in. But with Saul, Jesus just kicked down the door. He had a big vision from God, and uh, Jesus just appeared to him in this vision, and it was just a powerful, powerful moment. And Saul found out a real relationship with the living God was available to him, you know, not just a relationship with religion, but a relationship with God. And then he found out that that was going to change him. He was changed dramatically. He did a 180, and then he also realized that that real relationship was a call to action. And he got to work, man. He started preaching Jesus as the Son of God right away in Damascus, where he was supposed to go and haul away Christians to be brought to prison in Jerusalem. So he found out right away that a real relationship with the living God was available to him, that it would change him, and that that was a call to action. And that's what we're about here at Good Hope Church. We want to connect with God, grow in our faith, and make a difference in this world. That's what it's about. So that's what we're talking about. So this week, we're going to continue that series, and the the title of the the sermon today is Whatever It Takes. We're looking at the life of Saul and the Apostle Paul. Saul becomes the Apostle Paul. Uh, Now we're going to go more from the perspective of Paul the Apostle than Saul the person who needs to come to Jesus. And today we're going to talk about doing whatever it takes. In week two, we read something that Paul wrote. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, he says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law, 
so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. So, hallelujah. He is a do-what-it-takes kind of guy. He's going to do all things, whatever it takes, all become all things to all people, so that by all possible means he might save some. He is highly motivated. He's a do-what-it-takes kind of guy. Now, some of that's a little bit uh, tongue twistery. What what he's saying is like, hey, I know the religious world. I can speak their language. And now Paul knows the Gentile world. He's like, I can speak their language. I can talk to people who are weak and hurting because I've been weak and hurting. He, he can talk to anybody. He just wants to relate to them and help them uh, come to Jesus. And so he's going to be all things to all people so that by all possible means he might save some. So he is a do whatever it takes guy. He is highly motivated. So Paul knew his life mattered. He knew that just right away. And so he got to work. I hope you know that your life matters. Now, we're not all going to become Paul the apostle. You know, uh, let's just go ahead and live life, but live life believing that we've got a uh, a calling from God to make a difference in this world. Believe your life matters. Today, now, your life actually matters. So go ahead and grab a hold of that. Paul knew his life mattered, and he jumped into it. He tried to be all things to all people so that by all possible means, he might save some. He knew his life made a real difference, just like your life makes a real real difference. And by the way, uh, we get this Apostle Paul he used to be Saul. How did this happen? Well, there's just a verse, Acts 13, 9. Paul is sort of in the middle of a confrontation of some sort, and you can read the context if you want. But I just want to read verse 9. We're sort of going to take a little snippet here, and it says, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elamis and said, so there's the cliffhanger. You can go look at it. This is quite the confrontation. But it's just so easy right there. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, it's not like, when Simon becomes Peter upon this rock, I will build my church. You know, I mean, there's no like big moment. It's just that all of a sudden he becomes Paul. Saul, who's also called Paul. So Saul, the name of the first king of the nation of Israel, you know, his parents named him after the first king of Israel, Saul. He must have, you know, like they wanted him to be someone important. He went to the most expensive schools. He was, he was an up and comer, man. He was doing well. And now he becomes Paul. You know, Peter means rock. So Simon is renamed rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The rock of the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. What does Paul mean? Well, Paul means small or little or humble. So Saul goes from wanting to be the big man to saying, you know what? I, I'm just going to humble myself before the Lord. I'm, you can call me small. Just call me little. Hey, little. Hey, small. Hey, humble. The apostle humble. That's his name. It means small. So he changes. His name gets changed somehow. It doesn't even say, and he becomes small. And I believe that as he takes that posture of a servant, he becomes someone that God can use in a powerful way. And God does use him in a powerful way. So this do whatever it takes kind of guy, Paul, the apostle, what's he willing to do for the gospel and for his Lord Jesus Christ? What's he willing to do? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll read about some things that he was willing to do. Now, before I get into that, let me just tell you the context here. And the context is that the church in Corinth is losing confidence in Paul's leadership. 
Paul, the apostle, you know, the, the leader from a distance, you know, uh, they're thinking, yeah, I don't think we want to follow him anymore. We got these other cooler people. We want to follow them. And, and we're just going to reject, reject Paul, the apostle. So Paul, you know, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the ones that start with T, you know, Philemon, like uh, he writes all these books of the Bible and they're like, yeah, you're not really good enough for us. We want somebody else. And so he is feeling rejected. He's being rejected by the church in Corinth. And I just want to say that a ministry life is a challenging life. And the Apostle Paul understood that. We'll read here in a little bit all the things he was willing to do to live that life. But uh, October, besides being our prayer and fasting month, is also Pastor Appreciation Month. And I want to just focus on our staff pastors here at Good Hope Church. We've got fantastic staff pastors. We've got our youth pastors, Pastor Tom and Gabby. We've got Pastor Celia. We've got Pastor Nicole. We've got Pastor Kayla. You know, uh, we've got Heather, our worship leader. We've got all these wonderful, wonderful staff. And then even ones that aren't pastors, you know, like uh, Ryan and Trinette. Did I mention Pastor Celia? Like, she's in charge of everything, you know. Uh, She's fantastic. We've got all these staff pastors. And I'm getting to the place now where I've got a nice salary. It's fantastic. It's an incredible blessing. But our staff pastors are kind of in that spot where it's pretty tight. You know, they're serving and they're being diligent and they're making it happen, but it's pretty tight. And so if you want to participate in Pastor Appreciation Month and be a blessing to one of our staff pastors, I encourage you to do that. You know, write us a letter, write youth pastor or whatever, write that guy who does the videos, you know, (laughs) and if you want to send in a blessing, then that would be cool. I I encourage that. I'm going to be hitting that harder here in the live services, but if you want to participate, I welcome you to do so. So let's go back to this Paul who's being rejected by the church in Corinth, and they're thinking, well, these guys are way better than you. Uh, Look at all the things they've done. And so then Paul is like, you know, I don't really want to talk about this, but uh, let's talk about the things I've done. So that's where we pick it up. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool so that I may do a little boasting. (laughs) You know, so the apostle small, the apostle humble is going to do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You, gl- you gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So was this guy willing to do some stuff for the kingdom of God? He was driven. He was focused. Any sacrifice was no problem. He's willing to go and make it happen. Look at that list of stuff. It's just amazing what he was willing to put up with. So why was he so motivated? Well, we have the conversion experience that he had uh, that we talked about a little bit, you know, with Jesus kicking down the door. And then in, in part two, we talked about that quite a bit. You know, he had that experience with the Lord and that was hugely motivating. And he seemed like a motivated person in the first place. He was going to eradicate the way, you know, the followers of Jesus. Now he's even more driven to advance the gospel, the cause of Christ. And then we continue on with this boasting. And people think that this is Paul talking about himself. The first time I read it, I thought, well, clearly he's not talking about himself because he he talks about this as somebody else. But it fits into the he's defending himself against the accusation of just not being any good. And we're going to follow these other, you know, super apostles now. Uh, so let's look at Second Corinthians 12, uh, 1 through 5. We're just jumping down a couple verses says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. So it looks like he's not talking about himself if you're kind of a literalist like me, but everybody seems to think uh, the commentary-wise that he's referring to himself and it makes sense in the context. And so he's had this experience with Jesus, the vision that blinded him, and then Ananias came and prayed for him and the scales fell off his eyes. And you know, that's probably enough. Then he's talking about being caught up to the third heaven, you know, like you've got the atmosphere and then you got the universe and then you've got the spiritual realm. So that's the third heaven. He's saying he got caught up into there and heard inexpressible things. Let me tell you, once you have had a taste of the eternal, then the temporary stuff doesn't matter that much. So he's so motivated because he can see beyond the temporary to the eternal. He can see beyond the worldly to the things of God. And those are the only things that matter to him anymore. So that's why he's so motivated, why he's willing to grab hold of it. Once you have a taste of eternity, the temporary loses much of its significance. So Paul was motivated, ready to go. And he also didn't have a whole lot of time for quitters. I do want to mention uh, Acts 15, where Paul gets in uh, a bit of a dispute here. You know, you might think, oh, I wish we were like the early church where everything was perfect. Well, read the Bible. (laughs) There were some issues there too. So we're going to pick it up, verse 36. Um, We get a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. So this is after the first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas sailing around. They're trying to, you know, bring the gospel to all these different places, and they're traveling here and there. And then we pick it up, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers, to the grace of the Lord. 
He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement about whether or not to bring John Mark. Uh, So that's from what we understand. That's the Mark of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's that Mark. He quit on him. And Paul was like, forget it. You know, we're not bringing him. He's a quitter. So they had such a big fight that Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. And you look in the scriptures, you don't see Barnabas mentioned after that. It's Paul and Silas. And you don't hear about Barnabas and Mark. You hear about Paul and Silas. Now, Mark is mentioned later, just briefly, but certainly not an important character. And Barnabas kind of falls off to the wayside. So it seems to me fairly clear that God was with Paul and Silas. And they continued in their missionary journeys, and they had some hard things happen to them. But this is a pretty strong situation for Paul. He's like, forget it. We're not bringing John Mark. We're not bringing him. So here's my point on all of this, is ministry and the ministry's life are serious business. You know, ministry is serious business. Living a ministry life is serious business. Um, It's not to be trifled with. You know, it's... you. Put your hand to the plow and look back. Jesus says you're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Like, this is important stuff, and we can't be playing with it. When it's time to go, we got to go. When it's time to make something happen, we got to make something happen. We don't want to quit in the middle. The ministry life is an important, serious thing. So, with that being said, let's get on to a few more practical things in our vision series. I want to talk about some more initiatives. We already talked about Pastor Appreciation Month and our Prayer and Fasting Month, but I want to talk now about what it takes to succeed in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in today's world. You may have noticed that we're losing ground, that, you know, especially white America is turning away from God. There's revivals in other demographics, but inside of, you know, basically white America, people following Jesus is declining rapidly. So what can we do to advance the kingdom of God, the good news of Jesus Christ in today's world? Well, you know, there's missions, of course, is very important, but that's usually over there. We've got sharing your faith. You know, go ahead and tell people about Jesus. That's really important. You know, TV, radio, YouTube, stuff like that, super important. You know, we want to get the word out there in a lot of different ways. But I want to talk about a ministry model that we have at Good Hope Church that we're trying to really get going. It's called, uh, we call it our co-location ministry model or campus church model. So we're changing the phraseology to co-location, have one church in multiple locations, trying to get some stuff done. Basically, the idea is this. I've pastored in small communities, very small churches, and there's tremendous ministry opportunity, but there's very little resourcing. And so you end up starving the pastors to death. How many of you know a pastor who served in a small community who was basically, you know, under the poverty line, you know, really in a rough spot? Uh, and then, you know, you might not even know what happens to them after retirement age, especially if they decline Social Security. Anyway, there can be people who are all of a sudden in a really, really rough spot and I don't want to see that. If there's anything I can do about it under my watch, I want to be able to empower ministry to happen. And especially in those smaller communities or difficult to reach places, there can be people who go there because they know a ministry life is important. It's serious business. They're not going to quit on God. They're going to go no matter what. And so they go and they grab hold of it, but they're not resourced. They end up having to do a bunch of stuff they're not good at. You know, like, I mean, when I was in little churches, pastoring 
you know, I had to do all kinds of stuff. Like the paperwork stuff is not something I'm good at. I had to do that and it didn't get done very well. Uh, you know, I got to figure out liability insurance. I'm like, that's not my thing. And so I, I was trying to do those things, you know, learning the, the bylaws and the budgets and the, uh, you know, the boards and all the stuff like that, trying to figure all that stuff out. While meanwhile, I'm neglecting my, my giftings, you know, because I had to do that stuff. You got to have that figured out. And it was really tough. So what I want to see, which we already have started to some extent, um, it's been a part of the vision of Good Hope Church since we started 12 years ago, is this co-location. Um, now, as I mentioned, we have all these staff pastors. We've got people who are on staff who they don't have a heavy Sunday morning job description. You know, they're here, they're participating, and it's great. But they could be campus pastors. They could be a location pastor somewhere else that isn't able to provide a full salary. And then uh, some of the salary can come from, you know, Good Hope as a whole. Some of it can come from the other location. That person can go ahead and get an actual real salary and get taken care of. So that's, the, that's that in a nutshell. Besides that, the idea is to do all of the basic, you know, overhead work that needs to happen, you know, budgets, boards, bylaws, policies and procedures, you know, sermon bumpers, all the stuff. Like, we'll take care of all of that. The location pastor, you minister to your people, you know, you reach your community, you preach the word, you pray for people, you go meet people, you go be a light for Jesus in your community. We'll take care of the chill, the kids' check-in system. You know, we'll take care of policies and procedures and employee manuals and liability insurance. We'll we'll figure all that stuff out for you. You go minister to your community and we'll help resource you. And then all of a sudden now you're having ministry being done in a difficult to reach areas near us either because it's rural or, you know, maybe like Morgan Park, you know, you look around there, there's some churches there, but you're not seeing big thriving churches. You know, you got to go to other parts of town to see big thriving churches. So, you know, like Morgan Park, West Duluth, that's a great place. We we have uh, a Morgan Park fund. We had a campus church going on there, a co-location in Morgan Park closed with COVID. We don't have leadership there. We got a guy that we're bringing on as an intern that we're hoping to build up into the place where he's going to go ahead and restart that campus. I'm so excited about that. We now have our co-location in on the Leech Lake Reservation in Ball Club, Eagles Landing. And by the way, these are ministries that you can support on our giving page. Uh, you just hit the drop down. You can designate to Morgan Park or, or Ball Club or Eagles Landing. I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but Ball Club or Eagles Landing. You can help support them specifically through your giving. And I would like to see other places. We got another place that is on the horizon. In the end of a year's time, by, by the time we get to prayer and fasting month next year, we may have four campuses, four locations for Good Hope Church. That would be thrilling for me because... I want to see people resourced. I want to see it happen. So wouldn't that be awesome? We could solve the the starvation of pastors in rural communities problem and hard to reach uh, communities problem. We could also uh, solve the having to work outside your gifting for pastors problem. That'd be fantastic. Man, a couple strong things I want to say here. I'm comfortable saying that we are blessed at Good Hope Church. Good Hope Church is blessed. Why do you think God would bless us? I believe this. Anyone who's blessed is blessed to be a blessing. Why are you blessed? Let's say you things are going great. Why? So that you can be a blessing to others. You're blessed to be a blessing. That's the way it is. So I believe Good Hope Church is blessed to be a blessing. 
Let me just throw a couple uh, scriptures at you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13 and 14. Good stuff. We talked about this in the previous sermon series with regards to giving. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. What I see is significant feast and famine in the ministry world. People who are called to ministry, some of them are starving to death. You know, hallelujah, I'm not putting groceries on a credit card anymore. It's a great thing. But I, I lived that life for a long time, uh, for years, and now I'm not in that spot. So hallelujah. But there's a whole lot of people that are. And so if the goal is equality and we have extra, we're blessed, let's try to leverage that to have quality ministry happen in hard to reach places near us, difficult to reach places. You know, that's what I want to see. Let's go to uh, Luke 12, 47 and 48. That's another good one here. Luke 12, uh, it says something that I think is very significant, and you're going to find out what it is here real soon, 47 and 48 uh, of Luke 12. The servant knows the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So I believe Good Hope Church is blessed to be a blessing. If you are blessed, you are blessed to be a blessing. Let's participate together. Let's advance the kingdom of God, and let's go ahead and reach some people. Let's go ahead and make a difference. So, you know, living the ministry life is serious business, but supporting the minister is also very important. And I'm happy to be in the place where I can advocate for others, and I don't have to advocate for myself. The people who are serving in places like, you know, like Morgan Park, you know, you don't see big churches in Morgan Park. West Duluth, is a, a, you know, there's a decent number of struggling churches there. You know, the, the pastors aren't getting big wages or anything, but we can help support a ministry in West Duluth. The, you know, like on Leech Lake Reservation and Ball Club, you know, the pastor there is not getting much at all. You know, they're taking love offerings every week. You know, we've got other rural areas where I just love to see people being resourced properly because the ministry life is serious business, but supporting those who ministry is all, minister is also very important. Rural, West Duluth, Eagles Landing, you know, ministries in today's world, even if they're rural or in other places, there has to be excellence. You know, we need to do excellent ministry to reach people. And so that means we've got to support ministries excellently for that to happen. So let's support those who go. All right, there we go. So we got the co-location ministry model. Hope I explained that well enough. It's pretty simple. We just take people and we help resource them with the big church and in the smaller location that they're in. You know, maybe they get some resources there, but we work together to make uh, the whole thing work. So that's the basic idea. I want to see that happen rather than just leaving them on their own to try to figure it out on their own with no help and no other staff to help them. And then they don't have any resources. It's just no good. So we're going to we're gonna try to grab hold of that. All right. We're going to receive communion here in just a little bit. And uh, I want to just go over the vision statement one more time. Just reach up, rise up, reach out. We want to be connecting with God, growing in our faith, and making a difference in this world. That's what we're about at Good Hope Church. And today, we looked at how the Apostle Paul was willing to do whatever it takes. I believe if we have a whatever it takes mentality, we'll be able to grab a hold of the good things of God as well. Now, we're going to have uh, here at the live services, 
We're having a, a service buffet. You know, like we've got all uh, the different things you can, ministries you can participate in, ministry buffet, whatever you want to call it, ministry fair, where we got everything laid out. Let me tell you, if you are able to participate in church and you're not, I encourage you to find a church to participate in, like physically. If you want to come and help us out at Good Hope Church and be part of the ministries here, we've got our foundations class, then you can start serving. We'll try to match you with the right ministry. Otherwise, find another place to serve because, you know, just to make it simple, four ways uh, to grow in your faith. If you're doing these four things, I think you'll be growing. Showing up for a big group service. Finding a small group, having some close Christian friends, personal time with God, your daily devotions, and finding a way to serve. So we got our service buffet, ways to serve. There's a buffet, all kinds of ways you can find out how to serve. Got that here at our our live services. So if it's time for you to come to church live, go ahead and do that. If not, that's cool. You know, you can seek the Lord on that for yourself. Let's honor the Lord, remember what he's done, and pledge to do whatever it takes. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you you have your plan of redemption. You do not reject the sinner, but you redeem the sinner. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us into your kingdom through the blood of Christ. And Lord Jesus, thank you for doing whatever it took. You didn't want to go to the cross. You knew what was coming, but you saw the bigger picture And so then you willingly went. Lord, help us to have that same mentality of seeing the bigger picture and being willing to do whatever it takes to grab hold of our eternal purpose. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for being willing to do whatever it took, for shedding your blood on the cross that we could be forgiven, for your body being broken for our healing. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for what you've done. Lord, help us to honor you by serving you by stepping into the calling that you have for us and by just walking in your ways and being willing to be part of what you're doing on this earth, bringing your love, bringing your forgiveness, your redemption, bringing purpose and joy and peace to this world. Help us to be part of it. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.